Good evening. Jesus' words started in John eleven twenty five. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Last month, a 24-year-old football player named Damar Hamlin collapsed after making a routine tackle, and he went into cardiac arrest on Monday Night Football. And fans were shocked. The rest of the game was canceled, and the NFL world eagerly waited for news of his recovery. It was perhaps the biggest sports story of the week. And I wonder if an alien from outer space could have observed this, maybe they would have been puzzled. Because thousands of humans die every day. Football players get injured every game. What's so special about one NFL safety facing death? Well, I I think the injury was striking in part because it shows us that death can strike at any time. Even a 24-year-old in peak physical condition. And the words of Christ we're looking at tonight came at a time when Martha was struggling with the death of her brother Lazarus. And we don't know how old Lazarus was, but it's at least possible that this was a Damar Hamlin situation. A relatively young man struck down in the prime of life. With the terror and unpredictability of death on full display. And in this context comes Jesus' powerful proclamation, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is saying that he is the one who gives dead people eternal life in him. And as we think about that tonight, I want us to consider three realities. Death, resurrection, and life in Christ. First, death. Here's the reality, we all die. We all face not just physical death, but also spiritual death and eternal death. Without resurrection, we are in trouble. And let's start by considering what Lazarus' physical death would have meant. Death ends Lazarus' career, his work. It's the end of all of his relationships. Death ends Lazarus' hopes. If, if he'd hoped to have a family, build a home, those, those hopes are gone. Death is the end of his body, which is already decomposing, breaking down. And death will ultimately be the end of even the memory of Lazarus. His, his sister Martha doesn't have a photograph like we might. She's already starting to forget what her brother looks like. This is death, the, the end of work, relationships, our, our hopes, our memory. And, and it's inescapable. Everyone dies. We read later in this chapter that Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled when he saw Mary and others mourning Lazarus. And that's, that's an appropriate response to death, to, to mourn and be troubled. But, but it gets worse. There, there's also the problem of spiritual death. The Bible says we are dead in sin. We are spiritual corpses. We're supposed to live in obedience to God, but instead we rebel, we disobey, we pursue passions and pleasures that only make us miserable. This is the reason we experience physical death, because of sin. 
And unfortunately, there's nothing we can do about it. We, we can't help ourselves any more than Lazarus's dead body can decide to come alive. And the worst part of this is that because God is righteous, our sin requires eternal death as punishment. Think about how we deal with dead bodies like Lazarus's. We bury them or entomb them because however much we love the person, dead bodies are, are disgusting. They, they smell bad. They need to be removed. And, that is, and our, our sin is just as repugnant in God's eyes. For God to be just, he has to punish it. And so because every one of us is sinful, the natural course of every human is to live dead in sin, to die in sin, to be judged for our sin, and then to suffer in hell in a state of eternal death forever. By default, we are dead people with only death to look forward to. But, but this brings us to the second point, resurrection. Into this world of death comes Christ's proclamation, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus is saying that he is the source and giver of life, the one who takes dead people and gives them life in him. Martha had just professed faith in Lazarus' physical resurrection, saying, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But Jesus calls her to a greater reality. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. In other words, the life that Jesus gives is not just the restoration of the body, but eternal life that conquers every kind of death, physical death, spiritual death, and eternal death. And that life is freely available to to everyone, to whoever believes, no no matter who they are or what they have done. The the crucial question is just the one that Jesus asked Martha in the next verse. Do you believe this? And you might ask, how is this possible? Well, Jesus has the authority to resurrect us because he himself suffered the punishment of death for us. Jesus was the son of God, God in human flesh, the the only perfect man who has ever lived. But he died on the cross taking the punishment we deserved and was resurrected, showing his defeat of death. And this makes Jesus the one and only resurrection, the only way to be saved from death. And to get an idea of the power of Christ to raise the dead, look at what happens later in this chapter. Jesus walks up to Lazarus' tomb and commands, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus, the man who had been dead four days, his heart started beating. He started breathing. His decayed flesh was made whole. He walked out of that tomb. And this is just a taste of Christ's power to take all death and turn it into life. Do you remember when Christ gave you spiritual life? Do do you remember the powerful change God worked in your heart to change your heart from desiring sin to desiring holiness? Do you remember the the new peace you had with God, the new forgiveness of your sins, the the new hope of heaven? This passage is a reminder that we have escaped sin and spiritual death. And, And one application is that we shouldn't return to that grave. 
Just think for a second how, how stupid and weird it would have been for Lazarus to say, well, thanks, Jesus, but, you know, I, I like the feel of these grave clothes. I, um, I'd actually prefer to stay in this tomb or at least visit every now and then, you know? That would be ridiculous, but, but that's how foolish we are when we return to living in sin. We, we've been given life. Why would we choose to live like dead people? And we should also be reminded of the, the hope of bodily resurrection we have as Christians. If you believe in Christ, you will never die. You have life in Christ that goes on forever in an unbroken line for all eternity. And yes, you will suffer physical death, but it's nothing like the total loss it used to be. Though you die, you shall live. You will not be forgotten. Your, your body will be raised in glory. Your relationships will be restored. You will see your Savior face to face. Instead of crushing our hopes, death is a doorway into our greatest hope. And now we come to the third point, um, life in Christ. Because it's possible to say we believe in resurrection without much hope or joy in, in the present. Listen to Martha in verse 21 in the conversation leading up to this passage. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And she admits, yes, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. But you, you sense it's not much comfort to her. She wonders why Jesus didn't save her brother. Why Jesus is showing up now with her brother four days in the tomb. And how often do we feel the same way? We say similar things. Yes, they're going to rise again. Yes, one day all will be well. But there's that tug at our hearts that doesn't help me now. Right now, I really miss my brother. Right now, I don't understand why Jesus hasn't shown up. It's been four days. But Jesus isn't just the resurrection, as, as wonderful as that is. He doesn't just give us life and leave us to live on our own. Jesus responds to Martha's doubt by calling her to the reality that he is the resurrection and the life. This means our life is in Christ, that the full, joyful, eternal life he gives is himself. And in the the remaining time, let's just briefly consider three implications of that. The most basic is that Christ is your life. People say things like, basketball is my life. My school is my life. Maybe closer to Martha's situation, my family is my life. No. For the Christian, Christ is your life. We should be able to say with Paul, for his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. We should be willing to give up everything to to know Christ to have Christ, to become like Christ, and ultimately to participate in his resurrection. Because Christ is not just a healer or a miracle worker. He is the one life, the one priority, the one thing that ultimately matters. And and this should actually be a great comfort compared with the list of goals the world tells us to care about. Uh, A happy family, lots of friends, a, a good job, money in the bank, 
like Martha in another passage in Luke 10, we can be anxious and troubled about many things when, when only one thing actually matters. What's especially painful is that we have so little control over these other things. To, to name just one example, some of us are blessed with families. Others are single or childless or even bereaved like Martha. If the measure of our lives was our families, our, our careers, how sad would that be? But praise God, our life and joy is Christ and nothing else. In addition, if Christ is the life and our life, that means that he is always with us in life, even in our suffering. See in this verse how Jesus responds to Martha's pain and doubt and confusion. He doesn't condemn her or abandon her. Instead, he calls Martha to the the reality of who he is, the resurrection and the life. And in verse 35, we see Jesus himself weeping. What greater picture is there of Jesus' compassionate presence with us, even in our grief and pain? Remember, Jesus understands our struggles. He was tempted like we are. He he suffered far more than we ever have in going to the cross. So, So draw near to him, even in your pain and doubt. The, the one who died for you will walk with you in compassion. And not just compassion, but power and wisdom as well. Remember, Jesus is the source of life, the giver of life, the life itself. And that the third implication we'll look at is that he is sovereign over all our lives. Verses 5 and 6 say, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Did, did you catch that? Jesus delayed, not in spite of, but because of his great love for Martha. And I ask you, believer, does Christ seem absent to you or late? Do you face burdensome health problems? Do you look at your past and question why God didn't deliver you out of certain sins earlier? Are, are you waiting for God's guidance in a difficult decision and you just hear silence. Whatever the situation, Jesus knows he cares and he is working it out for your good. Not so you can check the boxes the world cares about, but so you can know Christ and glorify him. And I just ask you to remember how much Christ has invested in your life. He died to give you new life and the new life you live is in him. It is for him, and it is with him. You, you can trust him to look after you. So to wrap up, I'm, I'm sorry we're over time. <laughs> Tonight we've seen that Christ is the resurrection and the life, that he gives dead people eternal life in him. And I would encourage us to, to live in holiness, in hope of heaven, knowing that Christ is our life, with us in our pain and working out every part of our lives for his glory. Uh, and let's, let's briefly pray. Father God, thank you for giving your son so we would not be dead in our sins, but so we would have life in you. Help us to live for you and in your presence, trusting you and 
looking forward to the hope of heaven that we have because of Christ. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.